Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. There is continuing concern about the best ways to keep students educationally engaged during the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Ryan Christange, an assistant professor of university studies, has written several articles offering advice on ways to guide students during a time when routines are disrupted and time management becomes more important than ever. And we'll talk to Ryan about that after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. An online project of MTSU's Center for Health and Human Services is empowering students to express their feelings about the COVID-19 pandemic. The center, in partnership with Untold Originals, has created the national pilot site for Campus Diaries, Behind Every Smile. That's a web portal for students to submit diary entries anonymously to help them feel less isolated and to enable them to share the ways they face their challenges. A global storytelling movement that gives voice to the untold narratives of humanity, the Untold Project gives voice to a wide variety of experiences and vulnerabilities with the goal of bringing people together through what they share. The project is ongoing with a film documentary and a podcast in the works and a photography exhibit planned for the MTSU campus according to health protocols. And an MTSU program will enable high school students to take courses this fall that will introduce them to the study of nutrition. One of the classes is Nutrition Across the Lifespan, which typically is taken in the sophomore year. Students take the exam in May after completing the high school class, and students who pass receive credit for MTSU's Principles of Nutrition class. The other class, Nutrition Science and Diet Therapy, typically is taken in the junior year. This class can be taken for dual enrollment and aligns with MTSU's Nutrition for the Health Sciences class. As well as offering free college credit, completing dual enrollment classes may help students qualify for graduation with honors or distinction. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Ryan, thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a crisis, but educationally, it's also an opportunity. So tell us how instructors can take advantage of this opportunity to keep students focused on the future. Yeah, well, I think the first thing is to recognize that students are people. And, uh, you know, as we shift from in-person to more remote forms of instruction, we recognize this, the humanity and the inherent inherent humanity of our students more and more, right? Uh, you know, it, it's, it's more often the case that I'm speaking with students in their home and seeing what goes on um, in their home and they're inviting me into their home in some ways as we teach through Zoom. Uh, and that's a bit of a weird thing, but it's an incredible opportunity because it increases access to education. Uh, so what we have to do as instructors is realize that we're teaching people uh, and whole people and not disembodied minds. Uh, and even though we're working on educational content and we're concerned about what students know, uh, kind of who they are, how they feel, um, what's going on for them is really important. So we have to incorporate the whole student a lot more into our lesson planning and into, into our class content. Are some of the veteran instructors who teach the same thing semester after semester and are pretty consistent or even doctrinaire in their requirements going to have to alter their ways of teaching? 
Uh, well, so teaching always happens in a context, right? And so when, as we move from packed lecture halls to socially distanced lecture halls or from in-class to online or remote uh, modalities, we all have to make some changes. So there are some things that are the same, right? You still have a teacher who has expertise. You still have students who are trying to learn some stuff. Uh, but we have to figure out how the pieces fit together in different ways. Uh, certainly, you know, there's some faculty who are moving away from lecture and into other um, collaborative or interactive mecha uh, mechanisms for learning. And that has some problems and some challenges in some remote settings. Uh, but there's certainly also a place for lecture and for kind of the expertise uh, to come from a faculty member to students. But yeah, we're all facing the, the challenge of figuring out these new technologies and new approaches and new modalities and trying to figure out how to help students learn and learn well and have quality educational experiences kind of however we find ourselves teaching. It's often the case that faculty who are teaching get their idea of successful teaching from classes that they've taken. You know, none of us have experienced the kind of education that students in our classes are uh, experiencing now. So we're all gonna have to figure out what that looks like and how to reach out and educate the students who we have. You know, that's always the challenge of education. But in this moment in COVID-19, I think we recognize the challenge a little bit more uh, because so many of the things that we rely on as normal and normative are not possible, right? Uh, even something as simple as, like when I'm teaching in my classes, I like to make use of group work a lot. And I have students um, collaboratively author documents like in real time that's not gonna work this fall so well, easily, right? We have, it, when we're meeting in person, we have socially distant uh, requirements. And when we're meeting online, you can't write on the same piece of paper. And so there are, there are these different mechanisms that we're gonna have to figure out how to use to make the things that we like doing, the things that we, can, we think contribute to quality educational experiences, we're gonna have to figure out how to make those work. Uh, thankfully, right, if professors are good at one thing, they're good at analyzing complicated problems and finding solutions that are actionable and work. And so we have a history, you know, collectively of figuring out how to do stuff. And I'm sure we'll leverage all of those skills to, to, do, to provide good education in this moment. Uh, I've taken classes in which all of the communication occurs through some online posts, which is fine. But wouldn't it help alleviate some of the alienation people feel if they could have regular Zoom or Skype classes at regular times where they were all gathered online to talk with each other, or at least where there are smaller numbers of students? Yeah, um, so certainly connecting with students is uh, like a primary concern in this moment. And there are a number of mechanisms for connecting with students. So I think the thing that's challenging is that students have different expectations and they have different preferences. And they, um, you know, the, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is that learning is kind of an idiosyncratic process and we all do it in different ways. And so, yeah, it's totally the case that synchronous conversation is useful for a lot of people in learning, but it's not possible for everybody or useful for everybody. So I think the challenge is to find multiple ways of engaging with students. So whether that's um, texting, text messaging, or real-time messaging with students, or responding over email, or pre-recorded video, or um, kind of a video chat kind of a thing, or synchronous Zoom meetings. There are all kinds of solutions. Uh, and I think that we just have to figure out what works best for the students in our class. 
Uh, and the other thing that I'd say there is that we have a lot of students who have complicated life that happens outside of the classroom. So uh, students who work or who parent or who have uh, family responsibilities and other challenges, or even students who live in rural uh, locations where internet access is not um, guaranteed. And so all of these supplemental resources have to respect the life that the students have uh, and they can't be an additional burden, right? Like we have to provide them in a way that's helpful, uh, but we need to ensure that they're actually are helpful and they don't just become another formal requirement that has no real bearing on learning. We'll take a break right here. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Dr. Ryan Kerstange is an assistant professor of university studies who has written a lot about how to guide students through the pandemic in times when we're using technology and remote learning uh, and distance learning more than any point prior, I think, maybe even in the history of, what, of contemporary education. Uh, is there any particular advice for the overachieving student who is accustomed to breezing through everything and now finds himself or herself somewhat at sea because you're not in the classroom and you don't have that seminar style discussion give and take? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, and what I would say before I answer your question is that I think a lot of students are going to find themselves in that place uh, this semester uh, where the kind of um, big pillars, the normal experiences that they come to expect out of education look different. And so the challenge, I think, is to think about the process of learning. And in big picture, what learning requires is that you spend time and devote effort to learning. And there's a whole bunch of ways that you can spend time and devote effort to learning. But when we think about, um, well, one of the things that's going to happen as we think about this fall semester is that the way you're spending your time and the way that you're spending your effort or devoting your effort are different. And so it's going to feel a little bit strange uh, as it happens. If you think about the normal structure of what happens in class, right, you come to class, you're in a room, you're, you're separated physically from a lot of things that distract you. And so you have kind of some situational cues that allow you to focus in a different way on what's happening in class. You're also in a class for three hours a week, uh, often distributed through the week. And so there's a lot of um, repetition of content uh, that happens. Uh, and some of those structures go away depending on how you're encountering online or remote learning. And so the challenge now is to make sure that you um, separate yourself from distractions, even if you can't do it physically, 
and to re repeat and, and spend consistent uh, time with information. And even if you space it out, that's even better. So rather than spending, you know, three or four hours working in one uh, chunk on academic work, if you can work an hour a day uh, for three days, that's better. There's a whole bunch of research that suggests that learning happens better when you space it. Learning requires repetition. Uh, and so the more, I mean, those are things that are built into the systems that we consider to be normal. Uh, and in some ways, we're going to have to build those into our process of learning for ourselves this fall. And that is, I think, the big challenge. Has the digital divide made things more challenging? I mean, you mentioned people who live in rural areas who don't have the bandwidth or mm -hmm. whose uh, internet service is spotty because the companies don't find it lucrative to be out there right. in mass numbers. Uh, also, students who can't afford computers used to go to the library to use those computers. They can't go there anymore. What can they do? So universities and municipalities both are figuring out that students and a lot of people need access and they're figuring out ways of making safe access for, to computer labs and internet technologies. And so, yeah, so that would be the first step is figure out what's actually going on in your location, uh, find those services, figure out what their requirements are uh, regarding COVID and make sure that you can take full advantage of the services that are available um, because there will be some. Uh, and past that, if you don't have uh, access to, to technology, that's a challenge, to be sure. Uh, and I, I would say the way to approach that is to contact the instructor and figure out what you guys can negotiate. Uh, we, I believe that we all understand that technology uh, is an issue and access is important. And uh, I believe that we're willing to find solutions where we can. What's going to happen when a student needs to call into a Zoom call instead of video conferencing to a Zoom call, right? Like, so there are adaptations inside of the technologies that we are going to use that allow for uh, different technological entry points. Uh, so that's, that's one really significant um, direction. Uh, but the faculty member in the classes, they're going to be the ones that are in some ways a gatekeeper in that way uh, to help figure out what's going on, what's possible, and to work with students. The likelihood that, that future employers will look at their college graduation dates and come to the, to the conclusion that their degrees were not backed up by academic rigor because of these teaching changes during the pandemic, the necessary uh, flexibility that you talk about on the part of the professors. So the first thing is that the uh, American Association of Colleges and Universities did a study last year where they, they interviewed employers and they asked them what kind of skills they were looking for from college graduates who they were looking to hire or even uh, who'd been employed for a year or so and they were looking to promote. And the skills that they focused on were the so-called soft skills. So communication, problem solving, critical thinking, and you can go on down the list. Uh, the argument that I'd make is that in this moment, what students are learning, maybe more than anything else, is problem solving, some analytical thinking skills, and some critical thinking skills, right? We are taking what we think is normal, and we're having to adapt all of that and, and move in a different direction. And that, in my opinion, leads to some pretty high-quality learning, even if that learning isn't reflected in the syllabus or on the transcript. So I think employers are going to be really interested in that learning. 
Uh, and that's one thing that I think will come out of it. We often uh, kind of couch academic rigor in performance on standardized tests or departmental tests or multiple choice tests or whatever high stakes tests that happen in class. Uh, and we've been in education shifting away from that notion of rigor for quite a while. And we've been shifting into more of a um, application or a mastery focused understanding of learning. And so I think we'll see that shift happening a little bit more, uh, maybe even more pronounced, and that shift will reflect kind of hiring decisions, I would hope, going forward. And for another break, we'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. Terra wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to Terra, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle Tennessee State University Women's Studies Research Series features compelling monthly talks on gender-related topics by faculty and graduate students. The series offers a chance to learn about research in progress and to chat with faculty in an informal setting. All lectures are free and open to the public and are held on the MTSU campus. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guest is Dr. Ryan Kurstange, who is an assistant professor of university studies, and we're talking about how to navigate the pandemic uh, in ways that uh, are student-centered, that uh, help both professors and students adjust to the distance learning, the technology, and uh, the other uh, alterations to pedagogy that are taking place as a result of the pandemic. Under the current circumstances, Ryan, what constitutes reasonable office hours, times when students can talk with their professors via phone or internet? I mean, you know, maybe, maybe if you're a non-traditional student and you're in that high-risk category for COVID, you don't necessarily want to go to your professor's office and have a person-to-person -person talk. You know, I think that there are a number of different schools of thought on it. Mine is um, I am happy to talk to students whenever they have questions and want to reach out. And so what that looks like a lot of times is uh, that I'm talking with students in the evening. Um, and I understand that that's not possible for every instructor. Um, so I think that we've shifted that for the fall. We Well, through the summer, we've shifted a lot of what we're doing into video conferencing. And so one of the big benefits that that's ha that has that shift has for students is that video conferencing office hours will be better, right? Uh, that was, that's been an option in some places before, but now we have a faculty who's used video conferencing for a lot of different purposes. And so we can figure out, we have figured out how it works better. Uh, so I would imagine that faculty will be very specific about when they're free to meet uh, via Zoom or what other video conferencing services. Uh, you know, and, and other mechanisms for being free. What, one of the things that I would add is this isn't just an issue that relates to office hours. There are a number of support services that are offered to students on every campus, and MTSU is included in that. Tutoring and the Writing Center, uh, career, the Career Center, Counseling Services, all of these students, and many others, all of these student services 
are shifting their services so that students who are affected by COVID are able to participate and you make use of the services that they're paying for. Uh, because we understand that education isn't something that just happens in the 55 minutes or 90 minutes when you're in class. It's more than that. And so as uni universities nationwide are exploring how to make sure to ensure vital services and critical services, even if students can't walk into the office. So it's a really important thing that is happening. Would you say that this past half uh, spring semester and all of the summer semester has been sort of a, a, a laboratory experiment in trying to find out what works and what wouldn't work as we approach the fall semester and all these hybrid courses and uh, mm -hmm. alterations to the uh, usual university lifestyle? I mean, functionally what we're trying to do in class and in college broadly is we're trying to help students learn in a, in a transformative way. And that learning starts with individual students who are always different from the students who have come before. And so there's always kind of a, uh, I have some experience as a faculty member because I've taught for a while and I'm gonna marshal the resources I have to help students learn, but not everything is gonna work. And so I'm gonna have to do some course correction and figure out how to change my teaching or change the course design or change the assignments so that students learn better. So certainly, I think that that's kind of uh, baked into higher ed. Uh, when we think about this last semester, the changes are bigger and more noticeable, or uh, maybe it might be better to say they're more structural, and so they feel like they're affecting more things, but I don't think it's a, an approach that's changed. I think it's just more obvious the changes that are happening. So yeah, we've tried some stuff, some of the stuff we've tried hasn't worked, but I would say that that's generally the case with teaching. Uh, and so now we're coming into the fall better prepared for remote and online and in-person learning. Learning is a messy thing, it just is. And we'll, we'll, get, it, we'll get it figured out together because that's, that's what we do every semester. There's an article uh, at insidehighered.com by a group of scholars, including you, uh, asserting that there are things there are prof that professors need to let go of and there are things that they need to latch on to. Could you go over some of those things in each category? The conversations tend to be mechanical conversations. So the conversation focuses on how do we use Zoom and how do we make sure students are engaged for the amount of contact hours that we were, we were scheduled to be with. And uh, how do we make sure that we fulfill all of the requirements in the syllabus. And what we suggest in the article is, sometimes we have to let go of some of these formal and technical requirements so that we can focus on the student and their learning. Because students' learning doesn't always happen in the same time frame. it doesn't always happen in the same space, it doesn't always happen in the same process. Rather, it's an individualized process. And so we want to focus on the student, what matters to them, um, and, and so it changes the approach. Uh, when we wrote that, we were thinking specifically about Zoom and video conferencing services. And so one of the things that, uh, one of the examples that we had tossed around a lot was, you know, just the mechanics of being in Zoom. Uh, Zoom is built for, in some ways, or video conferencing generally is built for one person talking at a number of people. Uh, and we were thinking about how can we take that technology and center a student and center their learning. And so that would be a whole lot more conversational 
Well, you, I mean, if you've been in a large Zoom room, you know that once you get past about six people in a Zoom room, conversation is really difficult. So can we use breakout rooms to focus on conversation and student learning? And what would the conversations that students have in breakout rooms look like if we were focused on student learning? And how would they demonstrate that, right? What kind of assessment would we have to do? How would we know that students were learning? Uh, when we push them off into breakout rooms and let them chat amongst themselves. So those are kind of the conversations that we have. But the whole idea is students and their learning has to be what matters in higher ed. And we, we can often overlook that by focusing on some formal and mechanical requirements, uh, which we think isn't ideal. In talking with your colleagues across, across the country, what uh, is happening with classes that require some sort of physical presence as a matter of course, uh, things like aerospace, biology, and chemistry labs, etc. I mean, you can do uh, computerized simulations or even analog simulations in certain kinds of physical setups with aerospace, but nothing's going to substitute for your first solo flight in an airplane, right. for example. Right. There's a, a sort of a reevaluation of which of the classes are essential to be in person. And there's a, a, a willingness to explore technical solutions or technological solutions to allow for quality learning in a distanced or remote environment. So I know that there are some really interesting and cool things happening in science labs where there's uh, modeling software that folks are using to conduct experiments and to have students conduct experiments that don't require physical presence but that equal the kind of learning that would happen in a high quality lab course. Uh, so that's, that's one thing that's happening. The other thing that's happening is, I think we're, we're thinking broadly about scaffolding and the ideas of which pieces of information need to start and, and how we instruct different pieces of information, right? So your point about the, the solo flight is a good one, right? Like at some point, the solo flight has to happen in an airplane it has to be in person. What are the things that come before that? Do those things have to be in person? Uh, and so we're thinking about different structure for how to communicate this information, uh, right? And in the end, uh, the conversations that I find to be productive are the ones that focus on student learning, right? So, right, that, that pilot at some point has to know how to fly the plane and land the plane and do it all safely, right? So that's a measure of learning and a clear measure of learning. Uh, but we're thinking differently about how to structure that learning, and how to measure it, and how to, how to make it happen efficiently or effectively. Dr. Ryan Korstange, who is uh, an assistant professor of university studies, thank you, Ryan, for being our guest. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll be right back. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte Gross, WISE advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle East Centered MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. 
This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. MTSU's Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority partnered with the university and campus community volunteers recently to put together 5,000 COVID-19 care packages to distribute to returning students. AKA graduate chapter advisor and alumna, LaShan Dixon explains. So in the COVID-19 care packages, we have um, hand sanitizers, we have wipes um, for them to wipe down their, their items. We also have our MTSU Strong Mask, and then they have a playbook um, to, to help guide them back as far as school and knowing what to expect um, moving forward, and then just information, educational information about COVID-19. That's MTSU on the record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU On The Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.